Hi folks and welcome to uh, Liberty Online and thank you again for your support and for your faithfulness. Uh, I pray that you are getting what you need out of some of these messages and uh, want you to be aware that we are having two services at the building at 9.45 and 11 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you back there as well inside of the fellowship of, of believers and to be encouraged uh, by, by that time too. So think about it. Uh, if you can't be there, if you're uncomfortable, we appreciate that you're tuning in. want to give you an opportunity to, to continue to be engaged. Obviously, want to want to continue to tell you that, that you can uh, send your gifts and offerings and help continue to support the church uh, by way of PayPal. And there's other ways to sign up for that on our website at graceinrichland.com. We also want to know, want you to know that there's an opportunity for you to support your local community here. October the 29th is the Richland Trick or Treat Night. They're going to go ahead with that this year. And ordinarily, we would have a bigger uh, event planned, but inside of the current restrictions, we're just going to hand out some candy. And so we're going to set up a table down at the corner and we're going to hand out candy. And so if you would like to participate, you could do that one of two ways. You could bring candy and put it inside the airlock at the church or bring it to the church services. And there's going to be a container there for the candy donations. And you can, you can donate some candy bags to us so that we can distribute that to the community. Or you could come on the 29th of October here to the church at 5 o'clock, help us set up the table in the tent, and distribute some of that candy to our community. Just be a smile and, and spend some time with, with other people who want the community to know that Jesus loves them. So that's the opportunity that's upcoming. I hope that you'll take advantage of it. You know, we have been talking in the, the book of Mark for the last several weeks. And last week we began a new series called Growing Up, talking about spiritual maturity and the choice of your life to make whether or not you're going to follow Jesus into maturity, whether you're going to accept his free gift of salvation and then grow up and become more and more like him. And the choice is yours, as we talked about last week. We're going to spend the next several weeks talking about different ways that that might work for you. And today I want to talk specifically about a couple of obstacles that you may encounter. Things that may be inhibiting your growth spiritually from a, more of a philosophical standpoint. So we're going to look at three different ways that that may be happening. And then I want to talk of pragmatically at the end about some way you may be able to start to resolve that. So, so if you're ready, let's jump right in here with growing up with God. Because it's important that we understand the reality of us living in His world. That we get to do this with Him. Again, like I said last week, you're never alone. You've been given a relationship with the God and the creator of the universe through Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit is here to be your guide and your comfort through all of the life choices and, and the perseverance that you need to get through to where it is that he's taking you. So how did it all start and what is one of the first obstacles that we're going to encounter is found in what I consider one of the one of those sad passages inside of the scriptures that remind us to to be 
emotionally in tune with our God, that, that we have an ability to make choices that, that do grieve God. So in Genesis chapter 3, we see the original result of sin in man's life. Adam and Eve have already not listened to God. They have bought into what Satan was telling them, that surely God won't kill you. You're not going to die. You just won't be God anymore. You're going to have to, to understand the difference between being God in your world and being with God in his world. In Genesis 3 verses 8 through 10 are, the, are so. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Now, we have the ability to be in this relationship with God as a result of Jesus Christ. That's the relationship that we have right now. The relationship that Adam and Eve enjoyed was one of, of closer context inside of everything that God had prepared and provided for them in the Garden of Eden. And God would literally come and take walks with them in the cool of the day. They forfeited that when they sinned. When they didn't listen to God's instructions, they forfeited that perfect relationship that was there. They allowed for sin to create shame in their own life and separate them from God. And we talked about that a little bit, but I first want you to identify in your life if shame is one of the things that's keeping you from a relationship with God. Have you gotten to the place where you are ashamed of the decisions you make, or you feel unworthy of a relationship with God because immediately after Adam and Eve sin, shame became inherent inside of that sinful nature. As they commit the first sin and, and go against what it was that God had said for them to do, they had to cover themselves because immediately the relationship between man and man and man and woman was broken and the relationship between God and man was distanced as well because when God comes to take that walk, they hide from him. From the, for the first time, they distance themselves from God based on shame. Shame is a powerful, powerful thing. When you are afraid to be known by others, or by God, when you're ashamed of who you are, who God made you to be, it creates distance in you, all of your relationships here in this world, as well as a relationship between you and God the Father. So the first obstacle that you're going to have to think about is this where you struggle. Do you think, I really can't spend time with God because of all the things I've done in the past or, or because I'm not worthy to, to spend time with God walking in the cool of the day? We need to understand, first of all, from this passage that God still pursued a relationship. 
Even though man had sinned, God pursued him. He said, I'm coming to you in the garden in the cool of the day, and I'm looking for you. I haven't gone anywhere. The shame is something that you have to deal with in your own heart. God has created a way for sin and shame to not be a part of your life anymore, and it's by giving it to Jesus, his son by allowing for him to be the payment in totality, once and for all, as we talked about, for your sin. To lay it aside, let the shame go, and re rekindle that relationship between you and the creator of your universe. The world that we live in with God. He wants that kind of relationship with us. And shame is the first thing that we need to think about. Is that what's keeping us from relating to God the Father? The second one is an unhealthy or irrational fear that God will judge us or punish us or that, that every bad thing that happens in this world is as a result of, of God's anger. We'll get a picture of this in Exodus chapter 20 when we see the Israelites. Moses has gone to the mountain. He has received the Ten Commandments and God has shown up in a powerful way on this mountain. When the people saw in Exodus chapter 20 verses 18 to 21, when the people saw the thunder, and the lightning, and they heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance. While Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Moses went to that relationship. He laid that irrational fear of God aside. Tells the Israelites, you shouldn't be afraid. And that is a difference than when he says, be in a fear of God, a reverence of God. There are two different types of fear that are going on in here. The Israelites are looking at God on this mountain. They see the lightning, they see the thunder, they see his power. And instead of revering him and saying, he has come here on our behalf, and Moses is an opportunity to be a receptacle for what it is that God wants us to do, they tremble with fear. They turn their back. They keep a distance. They say, I don't want God to hurt me. And it's an irrational fear because God loves you. We talked about it last week, right? That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into this world to condemn it, but to save it, right? That's what his word says. That's what John tells us about the nature and the character of God. And so as the Israelites stand there and they watch this mountain erupt in thunder and lightning and smoke, that irrational fear of what God could do to them creates distance as well. Their fear of, of who he is 
coupled with the shame, I'm sure, that existed from them knowing that they were not right with God, they didn't have a relationship with Him as they should, created distance in their relationship that was never intended to be there between us and the Creator of our world. We were intended to be with God in this journey. God has spent all of time reminding us of that over and over and over. So these first two things, right? We've got to eliminate the shame from our life that comes as a result of sin because we know that Jesus paid the penalty for that. He's come to save us. And, and if we had understand that we have a Savior and we need a Savior and we lay all of that sin and that shame over here at the cross then shame is no longer an obstacle. And we have no reason to fear God either then. We don't have to be afraid, it says. Don't be afraid. God has come to test you. He wants to see how you're going to react so that the fear of God, so that you know, yes, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all of those things, but those things then keep you from sinning. If you have that healthy respect that, that God could do those things, but he chooses not to because he loves us, then it develops a relationship with God that, that is based upon mutual respect and, and we love God and revere him for who he is and who he's created us to be. Then we have this healthy fear of God that keeps us from sinning. And if we're not sinning, then there's no shame because there's no distance between us and God the Father anymore. We are with God as we were intended in the beginning. If we can lay aside our shame and sin, if we can no longer fear what God can do to us, but yet adopt this idea that God has our best interests at heart, that we revere all that he has created and has made for us on our behalf. Jesus tells us very plainly as he speaks to a group here in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus' very words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of us think there is such a high expectation from God that I can never live up to it, so why even try? Jesus says that's not true. That grace and mercy wipe away all of that. There is no expectation that God has of you that is too high because he promises to give you the strength, the wisdom, the endurance, the Holy Spirit as comfort and guide to endure all that you will have to go through. He wants to be with you. We have to get this out of our mind that there is an expectation from God that looks too hard, that we can't do it by ourselves. We don't have to. It was never intended that way. And the scriptures clearly say that's not the way it works. That Jesus came. He paid the price for our sin and shame. So sin and shame have been taken off the table by his sacrifice. 
we then no longer have to fear irrationally the punishments of God. We've been grafted into his family. We're children of God. And as that shame and that fear are taken away, then we no longer have to worry about an expectation of who God is. We don't have to worry about what it is that God is going to do with us. He wants to be with us. Be with us. As we look at sin and shame and fear and we eliminate those things from what it is that God wants to do with us, those obstacles we begin to move and we listen to the words of Jesus and we come to him and we take up his, his way for us. As we look to him for guidance and we read the book of Mark together, we see what Jesus did and we learn from his life how he wants us to be be orchestrating uh, the things that we do on a daily basis, pragmatically, we need to stay plugged into Jesus. And that's really what the, the idea is today, that, that we want to plug into who Jesus is. And Jesus gives us a clear picture of who he was and what he is doing in our world in John chapter 15. So if you would Follow me into John chapter 15. We want to spend some time here this morning just looking at what, what Jesus did for us. When he took away the shame, the sin, the fear, the expectations, when he lays all those things aside and says, I just want to invite you into a relationship with me, he says it this way in John 15, verses one through six. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, because I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. It is essential that we understand how to be with God inside of his world, to be doing this life with him, that he wants us to be in this relationship. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The picture here is specifically illustrative of a grapevine that there is one main stalk that comes out of the ground and that that takes the nutrients and the sustenance from the ground and transport it to all of the branches. And then those branches then produce the fruit that becomes useful. And Jesus says, I am that vine. I am the source of all the sustenance that you need. And you must remain in me. You've got to stay plugged in to Jesus. You can't create distance, right? It says that if there is a branch that's cut off, it will bear no fruit. If you separate yourself from God because of shame, 
because of fear, because of what you think of God's expectations, then you've cut yourself off from bearing fruit. It's impossible to do without staying plugged into the vine. Jesus reminds us that he is the vine. We are the branches and if we just remain in him and he remains in us, then we're going to bear much fruit. The opportunity for our life will blossom and grow into something that is useful and practical. We have to remove those obstacles that create distance, that sever us from the vine if we're ever going to pursue what it is that God wants us to do in our lives. We know that there will be pruning as well. There are going to be some times when God prunes our life, and it may hurt a little bit. There may be times inside of this year when he has cut things out of your life that you thought were important, and it hurt a little bit. But it is for your benefit. It is for your continued production that he does those things, to make us better and more useful to what it is that he is doing. To be very practical, you need to take some time, figure out a habit of plugging into the vine. I would encourage you, obviously, to, to read Scripture every day, to find a way to, to, to drink deeply from the Word of God. If you follow along on version, if you haven't found that app yet, it's just Bible.com, I think, and it's, it's the Bible app on t- inside of your Google Play Store or your, your app store. <clears throat> if you look those things up, version provides a verse of the day, and that's just one way that you can stay plugged in that you can get a verse every day and you will be amazed at how those verses kind of plug in to where you're at. The the word of God has a way of, of transforming to fit the circumstance that you're in for the encouragement of your heart. So, so if nothing else, make sure you get that app so that you can put it on your phone, your iPad, something like that. And every day you get at least one verse to tell you God loves you to remind you to stay plugged in and then start in one of the reading plans. Do something that is that, is that, that, that you can be reading a part of scripture or listening to it. It also has a feature that it will play the word of God to you and someone else can read it to you if you're not much of a reader. Just listen to a few verses or passages of scripture every day to get it into your life. You'll be amazed at the difference that that makes in your life in eliminating the sin and the shame and the fear and the expectations that that this world fabricates between you and God. Take those obstacles and remove them by replacing them with the Word of God. I would also encourage you to take time specifically. I have I've cultivated a relationship with God that that It has taken a lot of time and effort on my part to take out some of these things, to remove these obstacles from my world as well. And mine is fallen into a rhythm that I try at least once a month to take an entire day and just listen to what God is saying. To take an entire day and to walk through three steps. You may not be able to do it for a day right off the bat. I wasn't able to. (laughs) 
I'm going to be honest. First hour is okay. Second hour, I'm going, okay, now what? Where do I go? What do I do? I've got stuff. It was difficult to build up that, that reserve to be able to sit and just think about things of God for a longer period of time. So I kind of developed these three phrases to go through, and you've probably heard them before if you've been at Liberty. I use them because, because they're impactful to me, and I want them to, to be a blessing to you. And so take time on a regular basis. I would encourage you again, once a month or so at least, to sit down and, and use these phrases to stay plugged into the vine. You need to reflect in the quietness of your own heart to reload your mission. You're going to take some time and do that by, by first of all, gaining perspective. These three phrases, you're going to gain perspective, then ascribe value, then establish a priority. Gaining perspective is that process by which you remove yourself from all of the distractions and all of the busy work of life and you spend time just listening to the Word of God, listening to Him as He talks to you, praying about things, asking Him to reload His mission into your heart, to see the world differently, literally. It's why I go outside into the, into the woods and I try to get to a place that I have hiked up to and I see the world literally differently than I do from when I'm in the valley. I climb up to a place of perspective. Psalm 61 says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's one of those things that I embrace that I want to be to a place where God has taken me and I can see the world differently. You can do it in your own house. As long as you separate yourself, turn your phone off, turn the TV off, just sit and take a moment to breathe and say, big picture, who am I? What do I want to do? How do I want people to view me? What is, what is most important in my life? Once I've backed away from life and I've been able to gain a perspective by taking a bigger view of where I am, then I can look at the pieces that I have placed in my life and I can actually ascribe value to them. I can reevaluate my activities, all the things that I do, based upon their value to the mission. If I've reloaded my mission and say, this is what I want to be about, as, as I look at big picture who I am and what I want to accomplish in the world, what God wants me to do, then I can take these pieces and these activities and I say, this is a valuable one, this is a valuable one, this one, not so valuable. I need to, I need to value that less. And I can ascribe value to things like my spouse, my kids, church, service in the community. I can ascribe value to, to the re relationships that I've let go possibly. And I can say, I, if I want my life to look like this, then I need to be about these things. And these valuable pieces need to fabricate then the, the priority of my day. And so I gain perspective, I back out, and I look at the whole picture of my life. I then look specifically at the valuable pieces that God has given me to work with and I, and I have to stack them up and say, this one's the most valuable to the least valuable. 
And as I have done that, then I can establish and reorder my daily activities to align with the perspective and the value that I've established. And I can establish a priority of my life. I would encourage you to establish the priority as Jesus's mission. That as you would allow yourself to be drawn into his word and establishing that priority as you, as you look at his world, you see his world more through his eyes. You see the daily activities as valuable in your life because of what he has done for you. And then that priority of your life, that priority is established in who Jesus is and how important he is to this world. Take time and say, if I want to be viewed this way, if I've gained the perspective of Jesus's world this way, and valuable things to me are such as reading scripture, spending time with people who think like me and want to see others reached for Jesus. If I have if I have a heart for my neighbors, if I really want to be engaged in his mission, then I need to be about these things on a daily basis. The reason I encourage you to do this once a month at least is because the world's going to get in the way. We're going to have trouble and, and where we really get into trouble is when we mistake things that are urgent for things that are a priority. I'll give you an example, a very practical thing that happens to all of us, right? We have cell phones that are attached to us all of the time. Let's say a valuable piece of what I do every day is, is eat dinner with my family. I want to make that a priority. I want to just hear how my daughter's day was. I want to FaceTime in my other two older kids, even though they're not here. I want to, I want to spend time FaceTiming them over dinner with my wife and, and us be together as a family. That, if that's a priority, then I need to be able to let my phone go and ignore the texts from work or from the bowling league or whatever it is that, that's trying to get a hold of you in that moment, that that priority is established in my life and I need to be able to lay that aside so that I can accomplish what it is that I value and then as I value it, my, the perspective of my world is reflected in my values. It's a very practical thing to think about, but, but if we never gain perspective of how how do these things impact the overall goals that we are looking for? How do I gain that perspective? I take time away just by myself. I look at God's world through his eyes. Think about what is most important to him. Then I ascribe value to the daily activities that I spend time in. And I reorder my life then to reflect that. That the priority of my life is my goal to reflect who Jesus is. That I truly believe that everything I have is from him. Everything I do is through him and all the glory is to him. That's really what I want you to think about this week. Spend some time doing this. Take an opportunity. They're on you version these three different phrases. 
step back for a moment, reevaluate where you are and what you're valuing. How are you spending your time will tell you what you really are valuing. It may be scrambled for a while. Allow God to help you sort it out. Reattach yourself to him. Spend time eliminating the shame, the fear, the expectations that you may feel. Get those things out of your life and plug back into the vine so that you could gain perspective, ascribe value, and establish a new priority for your life. Take time to do that. That's the first thing that you can do individually to, to grow up, to spend time with, with God. That's my challenge to you this week, that you would spend time with God doing these things. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that as we seek to be more about your world, that we would do it with you, that we would listen to your word, that we would recognize that, that you love us and that you've taken care of sin and shame, that you've laid fears aside, that you've, you've eliminated all those obstacles so that we can be with you in this world. I pray that this week that everyone who's listening would take some time, read through John chapter 15, and plug back into the vine. That they would take a moment and gain some perspective, that they'd lay aside those urgent things to be able to back up and say, yeah, those may be urgent, but they may not be valuable. Lord, I pray that in their hearts and their minds they'd be able to do this that you would give them the opportunity to do this, that, that they would find a richness in the time that they get to spend with you. Lord, thank you for loving us. I pray that you would help us all to continue to grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that you would grow us up to be useful for what it is, that we would bear much fruit as a result of being attached to you. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name. Amen.